This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. Good afternoon, it's great to have you here. Now I've got a question for you. Where were you on the 23rd of March 2020? 23rd of March 2020, where were you that evening? What were you doing? Where were you when you heard the news about three weeks to flatten the curve? I remember being sat around a TV watching Boris on that little table. I don't know why he picked that particular setup as the one to announce this huge thing. But anyways, leaning on that little table to tell us that for three weeks, three whole weeks, we would have to go into lockdown. And we wouldn't be able to interact with our friends and family members in the same ways, with our jobs, with our hobbies. All of those things have to change. And it was going to be hard because it's going to be for three whole weeks. But we could do this to flatten the curve. We could do it. And I remember thinking, when hearing that announcement, that kind of feeling of dread rising up in me. And I thought, man, this is going to be rough. Three weeks, like three whole weeks. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this. Like, I'm probably going to go crazy, but it's only three weeks. It's only three weeks. It'll be okay. And then three weeks turned into more weeks and more weeks and more weeks and more months. And, and there was, I can't even remember all the different, like, was it stage one of phase two or all the different things that went on and different variants and viruses and, uh, and all sorts of things that happened across the two years that were just crazy. Discussions about hugging your grandma in two meters apart and how our, sc- our stores are still scarred of all these stickers with two meters and some people doing this and some doing that and just it's been a crazy two years. But finally, after two years, almost to the day, since Boris's announcement, announcement on the 23rd of March, we can finally start to chill a little bit. And a new date came about, the 24th of February. The 24th of February, where the new uh, plan for living with COVID came into being. And after two years of having to be constantly watching the news and all these conversations, all these conversations about deaths and seeing reporters in protective gear and starting to freak out about the future, finally, finally, we could just chill out and not worry about everything happening in the world. Just go back to a bit of normalcy for a, for a while. 24th of March, 24th of February, sorry, which was last Thursday. So we wake up to our newfound freedom, our newfound peace. Not a chance. What happened that very same morning? Vladimir Putin sends in his troops to Ukraine. And again, we see the reporters in protective clothing. We hear discussions of deaths and changes to our way of life. No chance to chill, no chance to avoid a bit of the headline so we can relax for a bit because war and tragedy has descended on a nation and the reverberations are echoing around the world. And now every morning we wake up to our news feed with new headlines and videos and images that fill us with questions and panic and pain. Hundreds of thousands of people, now today we read in the millions, people fleeing from their homes. Just imagine that, having to up and leave with one bag, even that, just to go. And you don't even know if you'll make it to the next day without a stray bullet maybe catching the car you're in, if you even have a car. Just imagine that feeling. Babies born in bunkers, 
battles at nuclear power plants, school teachers and baristas putting down textbooks and coffee cups and picking up AK-47s and Molotov cocktails. This isn't the kind of pitch for some Cold War action film. This is real life that people are going through in a nation not too far away, including people who are related to people in our church family. Waking up to that reality day after day. And while there's always war and conflict, this isn't new in one sense. There's always been turmoil. There's always been war and conflict throughout all of human history. And even in recent years, this one's a little bit different. Because firstly, it's a bit closer to home. And secondly, what it represents, what it stands for, has the potential, has the threat to unpick the very fabric of our way of life. To threaten the freedoms that we've become so used to as normal, as given, as standard. The freedoms, the peace that we've known for decades, now under question, now under threat. And for many of us, all of these kind of global and national events that we've been experiencing, whilst they affect us a lot, the last couple of years, there'll be people in the room, and I'd put myself in this camp, that would say, whilst that's affected me, in fact, the, the most kind of challenging or most upsetting moments were nothing to do with that. There are things in my own personal life. Maybe for you it was health issues or money issues or relationship challenges or the loss of a loved one, all sorts of things that can bring us stress and strain in our lives. Now you might say, why are you sharing all this, John? We, we kind of want to escape all the sadness. We're in church. We don't talk about all that stuff, surely. We, kind of, we, we want to have, have something happy. Now, well, if I wanted to depress us, I could have shared a lot more. I could have shared many more injustices and uh, turmoil and disasters and mo- movements and movements that have happened even in the last few years that have had a huge impact, often very upsetting, the level of injustice and pain. But the truth is the last couple of years have not been normal. They've not been natural. They've not been beneficial to human flourishing. They've been challenging physically and mentally and spiritually and socially and every lee you can think of has impacted us. And so much has changed just in the last couple of years. And often we have this debate, don't we? Like, do you like change or not? Are you someone who likes change? Well, the truth is, whether you like change or not, no one likes change that is completely outside of our control. When it's stuff that's being done to us that we had no say over, and we don't like the consequence of. And that's what we've experienced the last couple of years, whether it be COVID or the situation now in Ukraine. These are things outside of our control, and they can bring us to places of anxiety and stress. And it's important that we have moments in life where we recognize this. That church isn't a place where we just bury our head in the sands. That this uh, family isn't so we say, well, we're not going to talk about these things. We're just going to ignore them and kind of sing hallelujah and hope it all disappears. No, it's important that we talk about these situations, these realities, these things that are going on. Because the impact they have often goes very deep. So deep that it can have an impact on the way we view ourselves and how we can view God. See, the last couple of years for many of us have not been the best spiritually. Now, 
statistics would say that Evangelical Alliance did a study very recently to look at church attendance in the UK. And statistically, church attendance in our country is down by a third what it was pre-COVID. Down a third in just two years. Now you might say, well, that's because some people haven't fully come back to church yet because they're a bit more COVID cautious. I think that accounts for some, for some people. But the reality is many people who were coming to church before COVID have now stopped coming. Does that mean they've stopped believing in God? Not for everyone, but for some, yes. And even stats, I was reading a a very uh, encouraging story recently about just how many pastors, church leaders have said they wanted to quit in the last two years. I think it was something like 40%. The weight, the stress, the struggle of trying to lead people who are struggling themselves through difficult times. And I, and I get that. I understand the spiritual impact. It's not like I'm like, I don't understand this. Why are, why are people struggling? I mean, just on a, a, a natural level, we're kind of out of the habit in many ways. Like we went for months, didn't we, where we weren't turning up to church on a Sunday, or maybe turning up to our community group during the week. We were doing things online, and, and whilst it was kind of an okay substitute, it wasn't really that great, let's be honest. Like, it wasn't the best for us growing spiritually. It was better than nothing, but it wasn't great. So I can understand why that's had a knock-on effect. But I think it raises a lot of questions, a lot of uh, kind of bigger questions in our lives. And in one sense, that's been really positive. I think um, I love reading the studies and stories of people who are praying more than ever before. Like in the UK right now, one stat you might have read is about how more people have prayed in the last couple of years than ever before for many years. Or people attending church online that had never stepped into churches before. And I love reading stories like that because it reminds me that there are people asking those big questions. And maybe you're someone in the room who, in the past two years, has started to ask those big questions about the meaning of life and what, what is my life all about and is there a God and, and all that kind of stuff. And that is amazing if that's what you've been doing. But on kind of the same token, a lot of people who've been in church for many years have been asking those same questions. What is this all about? Who is God really? What? What is going on in my own walk with God? And just on a personal level, level, I can understand that. I can appreciate that, those questions and those struggles. In the past two years, I would say there's been moments where I felt quite dull spiritually, just kind of a bit sort of, you know, I'm a bit lethargic, a bit kind of like blah, like not really kind of feeling sharp or on fire in my faith. There's been moments I've just felt a bit bored, a bit disconnected from the whole online church thing, a bit, bit sort of, yeah, disconnected with all of it. There's been moments where I've felt a bit disillusioned. As I read stats, like a third of people in the UK church have, have stopped attending in the last two years. And I think, really, God, like, you're, if you're so powerful and good and amazing, why is it that so many people have found it so easy to walk away from you? And whilst I might be able to justify and understand and explain some of these things, there's been moments that for me personally, spiritually, have not been easy. And if that's the case for you, then you're not alone. And in the midst of all these questions, in my life and in yours, it's important that we have moments where we just stop for a second, where we take stock of what's going on. Because if we have this mindset of, look, like when I just get through this COVID season or whatever the season is, then things will be all good, 
then the truth is we'll just get thrown about by the next storm that comes. Our COVID will be over and then back to normal. Oh, and soon as this Ukraine thing gets sorted, then I'll be able to kind of get a bit more solid and I won't be thrown around so much. No, if we have that kind of way of viewing things, that will always be tossed around by the storms of life. And so the question comes, what is your anchor? In the storms of life, what is your anchor? What keeps you grounded when you read the headlines? When the things that you thought were stable are no longer stable? What is your anchor in the storm? You might say, well, the thing that kind of makes me feel at peace is knowing that I've got my health. I've heard that phrase a lot in the last couple of years. Hey, at least you've got your health. At least I've got my health. And that's great. But the truth is, your health can disappear with one phone call from the doctor. We don't like to admit that, but we are temporary and fragile people. We've seen that in the last couple of years. People who are young, fit, and healthy. I know of one girl, healthy, young, fit, dancer, catches COVID, gets long COVID, now can't even walk very well, and life changed in an instant. Our health is temporary. If that's our anchor, if we say, well, at least I got my health, you're going to struggle through the ups and downs of life. Or maybe say, look, I've got a really solid family or friendship group, and praise God, that's awesome. But even the best relationships can come to an end, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for quite painful ones. And so if our peace, our security, our hope is based on these good things, but not secure things, then we'll find ourselves being tossed to and fro in the storms of life. So how do we avoid that? How do we live lives that aren't full of anxiety and uncertainty and and being thrown around by all the change? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. He addresses that very question. He says this in Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you ever went to a Christian primary school growing up, there might be a song coming to your head about the wise man built his house upon a rock. There we go, classic. It's a banger. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came up and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus is saying, look, the storms will come. If you, if you think that being a Christian means that you're not going to experience any storms or struggles in your life, you're kidding yourself. The storms will come for all of us. But what Jesus is saying is that you can survive the storm and thrive in the storm if your life is built on the rock. He says the rock is those who hear his words and does them. Well, how is that a rock? Well, because the words of Jesus and the truth of Jesus is eternal and true. It's steadfast. It doesn't change due to the kind of latest politically correct kind of worldview. It doesn't change due to dictators deciding to take certain crazy actions. It doesn't change with global pandemics or health crises. No, his words are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you build your life on Jesus, you build your life on something that is secure and permanent, and eternal. And see, it's important to remind ourselves of who Jesus is, especially if you're someone who's been a Christian, a follower of Jesus for many years. And you might think that's kind of a bit counter to what you think of it. You're like, I've been following Jesus for years. Like, I know all this stuff. I know all this stuff. Well, the truth is, sometimes the longer you've been a Christian, 
the longer you've been following Jesus, the easier it is to kind of get a bit dulled to these truths. Things that were once exciting and fresh and new, all of a sudden become a bit distant and dull. And this is the oldest thing in the book, the oldest mistake in humankind, forgetting who God is and all that he's done for us. Even when we look back to the people of Israel in Egypt, I mean, it's a crazy story. They've been in uh, slavery for generations. If you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, they didn't look exactly like that. There's a bit more blood and death and less singing. Uh, but they've been in slavery for years and years and years. And they're crying out to God, free us, free us, free us. And then incredibly, they get freed through this uh, amazing rescue plan with uh, all sorts of plagues and crossing the Red Sea and all these amazing, amazing things. And what happens within not too long on their way to the promised land? It's not been exactly as they hoped and they start to grumble and they say these mad things like, oh, where is God if only we were back in Egypt when we had cucumbers? And it's like, what? You know you guys were slaves, right? And then he literally got you out of Egypt through parting the Red Sea. You walked through the sea. He rescued you in the most amazing way that one day they'll literally make movies about. And you're saying, where is God? Where are you, Lord? Take us back to the days we were slaves so we can have those cucumbers once again. Like, Look it up. I'm not making up. They literally missed the cucumbers of Egypt. I'm like, what on earth? You were slaves. But we can laugh at them. But how often do we do that? God has done so much in our lives. He's saved us. He's died for us. He's given us freedom and purpose and community and an eternal life. And yet we say, where are you, God? We grumble. We complain. We say, God, have you forgotten us? And that's why it's so important that we rehearse our story. It's why when you read the scriptures or the Psalms, these different books where they just have moments of people repeating what God did, what God did, what God did. Because we forget. We forget what God did in our lives. See, central to being a person of Jesus is repeating the stories of Jesus. And we're, for the next three weeks, going to have a very short sermon series called Stories of Jesus' People. We've just been looking at knowing Jesus, who he is. And now for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to be one of his people. And so each week, we're going to have a a short video of different people from our church family talking about some of their stories of being a Jesus person. And we're going to watch one of these videos now. And as we do, I just want to encourage you to, as you're watching, be thinking, okay, what is it about their story that I can connect to in mine? Because they're being asked three questions. What difference has Jesus made in your life? What, are you, uh, what, are you, like, what do you love so much about him? And what are you excited to get to know more? And as we do this, if you're someone who knows Jesus, I want you to just be kind of in the back of your mind as you're listening to be thinking, what would I answer to that question? And if you're not someone who knows Jesus, if you're maybe going on a journey of faith, then maybe just watch and think, what is it that they've got that I could maybe have too? So turn your attention to the screens. that at the age of about 13, 14, I was questioning what's life all about, the usual things that you, as a a teenager, probably start asking questions about and then realising that I didn't have 
a focus. There were other people around me that sort of had something that I didn't have. And then I became a Christian and I'd say, Jesus has made such a difference in my life. Immediately, there was a change. Probably the biggest thing, there's a sense of purpose that whatever I'm doing, it's not futile, that there is a purpose because Jesus has a purpose in my life. But the one thing that has given me amazing sense of security is the fact that Jesus has been with me throughout those things and that I can honestly say he is a wonderful, faithful Lord. And that's just been an amazing thing. And I know that journey isn't done. That journey isn't finished. And just having Jesus as, as the main focus just enables you to look at things in life differently. I didn't get saved till I was um, 19, 20, 19, not, not in 1920, around the age of 19 or 20. And um, uh, I came from a very different background, unchurched totally. I think the biggest thing that sometimes goes unsaid is mental health. That for me, I had a lot of um, issues which I wasn't happy to share with other people. They were inside. I had a, had a, I'd had a boating accident when I was 15. I carried a lot of scars that over the years God has opened up and, and dealt with and seen, seen healing on. But I also, there were some big events in my life. I, I made a mistake when I was uh, just after I got saved, which cost someone their life. Um, and you can't carry that sort of guilt and shame and problem in your life without there being scars. Knowing Jesus being able to come to God and, and get forgiveness um, makes me able to sleep at night. Never tire of the gospel because that's what it's all about. The fact that Jesus came in such poverty, came as a baby, not to a grand palace, and the fact that he sort of hung out with fishermen sort of quite rough and ready sort of people. I just find that amazing. And he died for me, that he saved me, that he set me free from sin, that I have eternal life right now. I think the problem can be when you've been a Christian for many years, so for me it's over 50 years, you've heard the gospel again and again and again. But it it's always good to come back and look at it again and again and again. And he just becomes more and more precious. But the wonder of the gospel, I feel like that never goes away. To know God and to be at peace with God is something I never deserved. That's the value of, of being able to walk this walk together, is the fact that I've learned a lot about grace from, from Nick and it's opened my eyes and within the body of Christ as well, learning together and listening to one another's stories is so helpful, it's so impactful. In terms of going deeper, one of the things that has come out of lockdown for me is that when we were stuck at home, there was a real preciousness about spending time just resting in God, resting in the Holy Spirit, reading his word, taking my time over that. And I can already feel that some of that, if I'm not careful, is being 
or can easily be eroded and I'm not having that. A few years back, we started a community group with Dothan and Lola where we're trying to explore building, building deeper relationships across ethnic divides. Now, that, it takes a lot of effort to try and work through the little bits of relationship that will trip you up, but that's challenging and exciting. And at the same time, as we're getting older, there's different challenges. I've got challenges of how do I retire gracefully? I don't, how do I do anything gracefully? But there's a sense of... <laughs> New challenges. What's, what, what are the challenges ahead of us when I, I'm, I'm not quite as fit as I used to be? I, I get tired more easily, so therefore my level of commitment to, to coming to meetings isn't quite the same as it was. What does that look like in terms of still being active, still being committed, still being involved in everything, loving God? And, and we keep saying this phrase that we want to die with our boots on. You know, well, I'm not ready to roll over yet. I want to keep going. And actually that means that there's new adventures, new excitements, new things to get involved in. And I'm excited about them. When I was a kid, I was very good at making money. I'd sell everything out of my locker. Uh, Snickers bars to fireworks, that was the range. Um, and I wanted to have my own empire, a little jet, quite a big jet actually. Uh, but when I became a Christian when I was 14, actually in that moment, uh, that desire left me and just got replaced it with a desire to tell people about him. And that's kind of driven me from, from 14 onwards, um, has given, I, I suppose, direction to my life. When, and money definitely has come knocking back on the door again. Um, but in my later years, not that I'm terribly old, but in the last kind of five years or so, the biggest difference is Re actually genuinely realising that I was bought by Christ and grace does characterise my walk with him. Uh, before that, it was a lot of semi-legalistic Christianity. So yeah, that freedom that comes with grace is the biggest change. So I think one of the things recently that has just probably refreshed my love for Jesus is um, the fact that he genuinely suffered for me. And not just kind of suffered on the cross. There's like a verse in the Bible where it says, it's through his suffering he was made perfect. And just recently I've been dwelling on that and just realising that it was, it was genuinely because Christ lived this life for 33 years and suffered as I suffer and all the temptations and the weakness and all the rest of it. That's what made him the perfect sacrifice. And that's why he could represent me on the cross. I just, I don't know, just reframed everything he did for me again. It wasn't just dying on the cross. It was that he, he didn't have to live 33 years like that. But in order to be my perfect sacrifice, uh, he did. So yeah, that um, has really refreshed my love for Jesus. I'm basically, I'm excited to see Christ work in my life in a more, oh, that was Jesus kind of way. Um, typically, I'm very good at leading my own strengths. So one of the reasons I like doing Bible studies is because I know whether I've done it right, well or not. Uh, but I've so we're entering a phase of life where we genuinely have to trust on Jesus more. Um, so Emily and I are, are pregnant, that raises all sorts of questions. And it's just very, it's both nerve-wracking and very exciting. It's like, oh, this is where Jehovah Jireh comes in or he doesn't. Like, either I believe in Jesus and that he's reigning above and that he's going before me in all things, or I, I rely on myself. But to see Christ work in the way I've always believed uh, in my head. So, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to see the power of Christ, I think, in the day-to-day, -day, in the realities, because I'm entering a phase where I need him to work. I can't just rely on my bank balance. Um, or anything else that I've got. So, um, yeah, power of God. I, I want to see Jesus move in power, and I want to be someone who has a faith 
that he is alive and, and works in power. Jesus has made a huge, huge difference in my life. Um, he's transformed me, um, the way, I, my perspective towards life, how I would view things, um, in certain instances, how I would respond to things. Um, in some areas, my character, the way I think, just a total overhaul of my life has been transformed by knowing Jesus. I don't feel that I need to respond to things the way the world will. Um, for example, yesterday I had a, a bit of a crisis moment um, and I reminded myself that I don't need to fret in that situation. And so I remembered the scripture that said, um, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so I said to myself, I am going to encourage it myself in the Lord. And immediately the Holy Spirit dropped a scripture in my heart and it just calmed me right down. And so it's the hope that I have in Christ. It's, it's the fellowship and it's just being okay that um, things are going to be fine. So I grew up in a Christian home, um, always gone to church with my mom. Um, and then my sister went off to boarding school. Um, and when she, she gave her life while she was away in boarding school, and when she came back, she was just a totally different person. I was just, I'm not sure if I could call it glory or something that was just sort of radiating through her um, and I every time uh, I would say to myself I want a piece of what my sister's got and so we started going to a Pentecostal church together and on a Sunday there was an altar call and I just sort of summed up the courage got onto my feet and said I want a piece of that and went to the front and gave my life to Christ and shortly after that got baptized in the Holy Spirit um, and Really, life um, as a Christian changed from then, where everything was mundane, very sort of, um, you just followed the flow. It's no personal relationship, just growing up in a Christian home and doing what your parents were doing to giving your life to Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, and then being daily transformed by the Holy Spirit. Um, life became more interesting in God, more, you know, you get it became more spontaneous and uh, generally like that anyway. Um, you hear the Holy Spirit minister scriptures into your ears. You wake up wanting to pray to God, just really wanting to be in God's presence. And it didn't always feel like that, but I was more alive and attuned to what God was doing in my life. And that was a big change for me. Um, I could call on him on any time and I would get an answer. I, I, uh, I was just really changed by that daily engagement and relationship building with the Holy Spirit. I, I am excited about my character constantly being transformed, evolving to be more like Jesus. That excites me. It excites me on one hand that I don't have to be perfect. And so when I see those areas where I think, oh, this is the not so perfect Kemi, I am reassured in me that I am work in progress. So that excites me. Um, and I am looking forward to living more of the character of Jesus, um, evolving more in 
the gift and the calling that he's placed upon my life. And those things sort of get me going every time. I love watching that video and hearing all those different stories. Like each different one, obviously some people who you'll know, some not, all of them part of our church family, but each so powerful in different ways. And you hear one of them say one thing like, yes, like I love that about Jesus. And another thing like, yes, I love that Jesus has done that in your life. And the, the primary, the, the, the kind of the number one goal is anyone who is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is to keep your heart ablaze in love for him. That's the primary thing. There's all sorts of other things that come with, 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 with church and, and you know, all these different things. But at the heart of it all, the primary goal, the primary thing for each and every one of us who would call ourselves the disciple of Jesus is to keep our heart ablaze for him. And that's why it's so good to re- rehearse our stories. To hear stories like those ones we've had and to be aware of what our own story is. So that in those moments when we are feeling disillusioned and we are feeling the doubt and the the distance and the disappointment, we come back to, no, 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 this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done. And this is what I'm excited to learn more about him in the days and months and years ahead. I love like what Jill said in that video about, you know, I've been a Christian for 50 years. 50 years, and yet she said there's still so much more to know. There's always more with Jesus. You never get to a point where you say, I've kind of completed it now. I've kind of read all the things and and know all the things, and I kind of, I don't think there's anything left. No, the more we see of Jesus, the more we want to know of him. And obviously, there's different ways we can do that. Kemi mentioned it about just that daily coming to him, that daily coming to him. Not in that I kind of have to do this so he loves me, but so that we commune with him, connect with him, stir our affections for him daily. Praying and asking him to speak to us, spending time in his word. We do that daily and we do it weekly in our rhythms of community, spending times with brothers and sisters in church. Rehearsing our stories to one another, moments like that, but weekly where we say, remind me of that that story. I want to tell you of an answer to prayer this week. I want to point your attention to Jesus once again. But there's also, I think, a helpful moment where we say, look, today, symbolically, in this corporate gathering, I want to take a moment to put a marker down to say, from this day onward, I want to live for Jesus once again. It's not a kind of like you, you need to kind of recommit yourself so you regain your salvation. No, no, no. If you're saved, you're saved. That's a done deal. But I know in my life, I don't know about yours, but there's been moments I found so helpful when I've said, look, that season has gone before, but today is a new day. And today I want to declare afresh my love for Jesus and my desire to give him everything. Those moments can be so helpful, especially off the back of a crazy season of life. Whether for you it's the impact of world events or things that have happened in your life, perhaps it's things that have been done to you or things you've done, whether they be mistakes or sins or whatever they might be, today can be a new day of saying, I want to receive your mercy afresh, your grace anew, and fall more in love with you again today, Jesus. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that right now. And I'd love to invite the band onto the stage as we do this. 
And what we're going to do is, shortly, the band are going to lead us in a song that will help us stir our affections for Jesus, to remind us of who he is and who we are to him. And then after that, we're going to have an opportunity to pray with one another. Now, you don't have to do this. If you'd prefer to pray on your own or just kind of reflect on your own, that's absolutely fine. But we're family. We heard loads of words in the worship about who Jesus is and how he's called us as family to worship him. And so we're going to do that shortly after we sing. We're going to pray for one another. Pray that we fall more in love with Jesus. So can I invite you to stand if you're able to as we come into this time of response and worship. I just want to encourage you to still your spirit before him. You might find it helpful to do something physically to help you focus the eyes of your heart on him. I often just close my eyes so I'm not distracted by everything going on around me. And right now, wherever you are, let's do some business with God. His promise is that where two or three are gathered, there he is in their midst. Jesus is here with us right now. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is amongst us right now. And as we go into this time of response, Holy Spirit, we say, come and have your way. Come and have your way. We bring our hearts to you right now. We bring our lives to you right now. We say once again that we love you. 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 Wonderful God, we love you. We worship you. Come now. Have your way. Have your way.